I would love to see Batu appear in live action because as mm. soon as you said Hondo, I thought of Batu. So that would be hey, or just buddy. Batu is only live action. <laughs> no, well, on a show or <laughs> it's the livest of actions. <laughs> Incoming transmission from an unknown source. It seems to be urgent. Patching them through. They're calling themselves the Holonet Marauders. Hey guys, welcome back once again for another episode of the Holonet Marauders podcast. I'm joined here with probably the two leading um, people of the Kanan Gyrus fan club, Jamie and Matt. <laughs> Hello. And speaking of Kanan, this is a special episode as it was recently um, Rebels Remembered Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about our favorite moments from Rebels. We're going to be doing the top three style, and uh, yeah, we'll go around the table. But uh, how are you guys doing today? Uh, doing all right, I guess. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Not bad. Uh, chilling. So just, I guess, for the context as well, Rebels Remembered is just the anniversary of the last episode of Star Wars Rebels, which was March 5th, 2018. So now it is three, three, years. three years. So now it's the three-year anniversary since Rebels has ended. So there will be spoilers for Star Wars Rebels if you haven't watched the series yet. If you don't mind, continue to listen. But there will be spoilers from here on out. Heavy spoilers because Hell today yeah. we are talking about our favorite moments from the show in honor of Rebels Remembered. And if anybody who knows, anybody knows us, it's we hold the very controversial opinion that we, we enjoy Rebels more than Clone Wars. I personally, at least enjoy that is very, more than Clone Wars. Yeah. I feel like that is controversial, no, but also like almost a more widely accepted take at this point because more people have watched Rebels at this point. So, hey. I think Rebels is just such a good sequel to Clone Wars. It continues all of the plot threads that I cared about in such a brilliant way that it it exceeds Clone Wars in that it it's like the perfect cap off to that series. And a lot of people don't think of it as a sequel to Clone Wars necessarily, but you know, obviously, eventually you find out why it is a mm-hmm. sequel with the different characters popping up from Clone Wars. But what I what makes me enjoy it more than Clone Wars is just it's a, a linear story all the way through. There's no like arcs jumping around. But that's also a reason, if that if it makes sense, that's also a reason why I like Clone Wars because you can kind of hop on and watch an arc like we did a couple weeks ago. But I don't know. Rebels is just beautiful storytelling, and it's, it's Rebels some of is also best work, in my visually so beautiful. Like Clone Wars has like its uh, its high points with the visuals, but Rebels honestly takes it to another level with their animation. It is very similar styles throughout between Clone Wars and Rebels, but it it is just like another step above. I mean, one of like the craziest things that I always thought was a little like funky at first, but I absolutely love it now is every single character, at least for the Rebels, all of their eyes look like galaxies, like if you like look close. And it's it's just so so cool to see. And something that you wouldn't like expect in just like a regular show. Yeah, that's a good point that I never really thought of, but it makes sense. So I guess we'll hop right into it. Um, we'll start with number three, as we always do, and work our way up to one with our top moments. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Does that work with everyone? Sure. Sounds good. And then we'll kind of, you know, change the order up as we go. So my number three moment is, I don't really know how to name this, but it's the episode The Last Battle, when Captain Rex and the Spectres travel to Agamar, I believe is the planet, and they're they're searching for arms and artillery. Uh, as they are in much of the show. And Rex knows about an old Clone Wars base. And it's funny, Matt mentioned that this is a sequel to Clone Wars earlier. And this is like the perfect Clone Wars tribute episode because they literally play the theme at the beginning from Clone Wars. Yes, mm-hmm. they do. And, it's gr- and they, they style Clone Wars, uh, they style the Rebels logo as the Clone Wars yeah. logo. It's so good. Yeah. It's so cool. And it's like, it's funny that it's nostalgic because it's not too long after Clone Wars, but it's like, it's the equivalent of seeing the throwback Lucasfilm logo at the beginning of Siege of Mandalore. Like, Ooh, I don't yeah, know. Definitely. It brings the Yo, same feeling. Yeah. I don't know. It's not necessarily a moment, but just Captain Rex kind of going through the PDST of the Clone Wars is really cool to see. We don't really see that often, especially mm-hmm. from clones. And it's like a droid simulation, right? The One of the head droids um, from an old Separatist army is still there running... Uh, 
a battle droid army around in like a, a hangar or something, right? In an old base. Yeah, because they don't realize that the war is over. And so they yeah. just arrive and they're like, oh, no, no, no. You got to do what we're asking here. And I, I love that episode because it's just like a huge character builder for Kanan and Rex because Kanan hates yes, Rex exactly. outright because he's a clone and all clones must be bad because of Order 66 and everything like that. And it's just a huge character builder for the two of them. Yeah, and Rex and Kanan, you know, like you said, they have a lot of moments in this. Mm -hmm. Rex is like, oh, just like old times with the Jedi and all this. And it's just so cool to see. We get get that feel of clones versus droids once again. And I just, I love that episode so much. I did like a Clone Wars Rebels watch through last year of like them back to back. And I remember forgetting about the like, uh, because they play the Clone Wars theme too. Yeah. So they like play the theme and they show the title card for Star Wars Rebels in the Clone Wars style. And I forgot that they did that. So when I finally hit like the, the episode, talk about uh, PTSD, I flash, I had like flashbacks of like a month ago. It's like, oh my God, wait, did I pick the wrong show? I'm pretty sure after that episode, this comes up somewhere within the show afterwards. But Sabine paints her little like uh, pictures everywhere, obviously. But she paints a picture of Rex and Kanan like back to back, like doing like the cool poses. And it just like makes me laugh because that didn't exist beforehand. But Sabine just gets a kick out of it as well. And she like interprets it again. And you just keep reseeing it in the background from there on out. And it's just a fun little addition as well. That's so cool. Let me see. What do I want to pick for my number three for my favorite moment? So I think that actually for my moment, this is something that retroactively is a reference to the Clone Wars, but when you first see it, you don't know that it is. So I love everything that happens on the planet of Anaxis, actually. So there's a moment in which Sabine and Hera go on a supply run there because Fulcrum, we don't know who Fulcrum is yet, dropped off some supplies and they go to pick it up and then the ship gets like damaged and whatnot. And then these... um. I believe they're called Frynox, the Shadow Wolves, like, start, like, attacking them. Um, uh, but I, I love that entire episode. And then they leave, and then they have to go back. And this is the first time you really, like, experience Ezra connecting with animals, and he connects with the Frynox. And so this is actually, like, a two-parter of, like, um, Sabine and Hera having their situation going on, but then also going back of Kanan having his teaching moment for Ezra. And, yeah, Ezra's first, like, really big connection with animals and it's with those Frynox and it's on the planet Anaxis which we learn later on um most recently uh they're in the bad that's the planet in the bad batch that their command center is on when you first see the bad batch they just like show up in the ship and it's on Anaxis I remember like when the first episode started for the bad batch I'm like wait a second why does this look so familiar and then they slide in and it's it's literally that exact spot and so it's something that was first shown in Rebels but then they ended up using it in the Clone Wars anyway. And so it was really cool to like see that connection later on. And it's just it's just a really cool moment overall. Yeah. That's Definitely. um it's cool that we both kind of mentioned things that parallel with Clone Wars a bit. And who knows, maybe the the base I mentioned beforehand will be the show up in like Bad Batch or something. That'd be funny. Yeah, maybe. I also, and you mentioned earlier, like, it was a big teaching moment for Ezra, and I yeah. agree. Like, that's, like, the one thing I remember most about that episode is when Ezra finally learns to, like, commune with animals. Right, yeah, because that's the biggest thing. Yeah, and I think that is such a cool, that, that kind of, like, defines Ezra's art. Right. Like, at the beginning. It's, like, right at the start. That's when they come back, and the Inquisitor's there, right? Uh, the Grand Inquisitor. Right, exactly. And then the huge, the huge yeah. one comes out. Yeah, okay. Yep, yeah, because like it was they wanted to lead the Inquisitor to a place where they kind of had an advantage and like I don't know, they kind of did. But um I just mm-hmm. love like oh, it's just this is it goes back to it's such like a visually stunning show because it, it's Ezra and Kanan just like kneeling there with their eyes closed and they both just point still with the eyes closed and the Frynox are just like yeah and just like launch at the Inquisitors <laughs> and it's just like oh, it's just such a cool moment. Rebels has so many creatures because Ezra has this ability to connect with creatures and this is like one of like the coolest ones that I think that like we'll get more into creatures later but this is one of the cooler ones you see in like the early seasons you also see it in Mandalorian season two yeah if you're paying attention in the very beginning of season two episode one when he's walking into the Gamorrean fight uh, you just see the eyes in the shadows and so it's definitely like those uh Frydox, which is really cool that they actually incorporate it into live action although you don't see it see it you just see the eyes which is really cool. Yeah. And for all we know, that could be an axis. Um, I don't think they ever came up with what planet that was. So that'd be cool. They never did. They never did. That'd be interesting. 
Yeah. I love how that my, my first take was about, um, my first favorite thing was about Ezra. And Ezra, I, historically, he's not yeah, one that's... of my favorite characters, but like, he's really growing <laughs> on me, which is really interesting. AJ said to me recently, you can't love Kanan this much and not like, at least like Ezra. So I have, I'm, I'm coming around to at least liking Ezra. <laughs> yeah, like Words I said, on my like, most recent watch through of Rebels, I started to really like Ezra a lot more than I used to. So my top, my third moment uh, in Rebels is a duel. And if anybody is paying attention, you'll notice a trend um, in my top threes. But <laughs> this duel between Sabine and Gar Saxon uh, on Cronest, the homeworld of Sabine and the Wrens in general, um, gives us a really good look at Mandalorian lore. And for anybody who knows me, I'm actually, I used to not really be a big fan of Mandalorian lore. I'm still iffy on it, but like the Mandalorian has definitely like pumped up Mandalorian lore for me, which I know is like totally stereotypical because that's like everybody's like, that's okay. Mandalorian It gets confusing. But it, get, it does get confusing. And I've actually never really been like a huge like warrior race uh, fan in any, you know, um, genre like Star Wars has Mandalorians Star Trek has Klingons although I do like Klingons I'm getting off track so <laughs> in in this battle it's Gar Saxon who is uh, a carryover from the Clone Wars all three of our third moments have to do with like tying back to the Clone Wars which is mm -hmm. exactly why like Rebels is such a great sequel it just takes all of these little characters and threads and expands on them in like really awesome ways but the exploration of mandalorian lore in rebels is just absolutely phenomenal like if you're interested in the mandalorian you know race and creed and groups factions whatnot from the mandalorian if you just watch that watch rebels i mean watch clone wars too but i feel like that's a daunting task and a lot to ask of people um rebels gives like these clear concise explorations into Mandalorian life that is just so cool. I mean, Sabine Wren is, like, a great example of a really cool Mandalorian character who, like, pimps out her armor and, like, learns about Mandalorian history and trains with the Darksaber and does all this stuff. But, like, Fen Rao, I, pe I feel like people sleep on Fen Rao because he's, like, a great character, and I hope he carries over into the Man Mandalorian somehow. I don't know how. That would be I don't cool. know if we'll ever see him. I mean, in the Mandalorian, my guess for the future of the Mandalorian would be the you know freeing of mandalore and whatnot so hopefully we kind of gather all these characters that we've met over the course of clone wars and rebels and fen rao is definitely one of my favorite he's got cool armor too fen rao's allied with uh, bo katan correct yeah yeah then he'll definitely show up come on <laughs> yeah he's an established character like that yeah he'll show up exactly the whole thought of sabine with the lightsaber fighting um gar saxon on the ice uh, on this like frozen snowy planet next to like her family's like castle. It's just a really cool it's just a really cool like moment for me. It's a really cool set piece. Rebels is full of those. Like what Jamie was saying earlier about how it's like really grandiose like art style and stuff. I Rebels has like some very, very cool set pieces. And that's definitely yeah. one of them. Yeah, I mean like every single like really like wide shot type visual or just very, very very clear space it looks exactly like a ralph mccrory painting and it's supposed to like they did that on purpose which makes sense like chopper is like the direct interpretation of like what r2 was supposed to be originally same thing like zeb is the interpretation of what chewie was supposed to be yeah and it it looks perfect it's something that it, it just looks perfect and like i every once in a while like it looks a little wonky like oh the lightsabers are too thin but like other yes. than that it's just they like it looks thin. perfect but the lightsabers being thin is also a carryover from the Macquarie. Right, concept exactly. Art, you know, so like true, you, you true. can have like this like utmost respect for the entire art style, and then like criticize like a little bit of it, obviously, because it is art at the end of the day. So it works out. Yeah, definitely. That brings us to our number twos now, and my number two is well. Let me ask a question first. Do you guys know who my favorite Rebels character is? Yeah, it's Hera. Yeah, it's Hera. Yeah, it's Hera. <laughs> 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 my favorite Hera moment in Rebels is when she gets to debut the prototype of the Blade Wing, aka the B Wing. Yes. And I'm not sure if it was known 
I, I forget the name of the planet. Matt, you mentioned it in our um, our pre-discussion. Uh, Chantipole? It's called Chantipole. Chantipole, yeah. Very windy, cloudy planet that no one seems to live on except this one Mon Calamari guy. Um, Who's named Quarry. Corey, right? Yeah. So well, after yeah. Ralph there McQuarrie. we go. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this. I don't know. What I remember watching this episode the first time, and I was like, "Oh, they're going to test out this prototype that this guy made." And he mentions it's the Blade Wing, and I'm like, "Wait, Blade Wing, B Wing?" And it looked like in the hangar, it kind of looked funny. And they're like, "Which way does it fly?" And I'm like, "It is the B Wing." And I remember that was the mm-hmm. moment because I believe that's very early season two. That was literally the moment where I was all on board Rebels because. Jamie, as you know, we watched it together. Season one, yep. I was like, okay, this is, you know, it's something. It got a little better at the end of season one. Season two, that moment happens and a few other things happen after. And I think, uh, you know, Hondo showed up at one point. So that all came together. And I was like, oh, I'm all on board. This is great. Yeah, Hondo shows up, Ahsoka shows up. And then I'm like, oh, we're on board. I've always I've always kind of been biased. But I think Hera is the best pilot ever in Star Wars. That's, that's my opinion. And... It's so cool that she gets to, you know, practice with the prototype of the B-Wing and then eventually save the day at the end with uh, Sabine. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And honestly, like, that's one of my favorite Rebel moments, too. Specifically, the scene of her actually, like, testing out the B-Wing. Yeah. Um, Because, like, Star Wars, one of the things that inspired George Lucas the most about Star Wars was, like, the World War II pilots. You know, like, bomber pilots, fighter pilots. Mm -hmm. And... Hera like flying the B-Wing is just such a it's like like one of the most classic like examples of like fighter pilots like that's every fighter pilot has like well, that one scene where they're just going nuts in whatever you know plane or starfighter or whatever they're in uh, where they're just like free you know and they're just flying around and testing things and a detail that I really like about that scene is that if you listen to the soundtrack of the scene where she's testing out the B-Wing um, it sounds almost exactly like the theme from The Rocketeer, which huh, is one really? of my favorite movies, which I love The Rocketeer. And the soundtrack for that movie is absolutely phenomenal. And there's no way it's an accident that they made the soundtrack sound like The Rocketeer. In fact, Rebels does that a lot. It, it, it takes like uh, style and influence from other soundtracks as well like i heard a couple of like indiana jones motifs yes, or indiana yes. jones-esque motifs in there and stuff like that but it takes the it's like the perfect moment because it's it captures like the rocketeer in star wars and i can't get enough of that that's great that's so cool that's a cool little reference that is would you like me to go over my number two yeah yeah okay so for me my second favorite star wars rebels moment would be Relics of the Old Republic. Hmm. So we refined Rex, we refined Gregor and Wolf. I I just love everything about like this episode. It's actually they appear in the episode right before that, but um, Relics of the Old Republic is the one where they end up going a uh, Juba hunting and they <laughs> tie poor Zeb to a string and make him be the bait. <laughs> it's just, I just love everything about that episode because it it just it's just a great first impression of. Three clones, three old clones, definitely just like living it up, having their own life in an old ATTE, uh, and it's just like it just looks so out of place at this point because we know it's a bygone era, and the, the men inside are also from a bygone era, and it's just great. And again, it gives like the initial reaction of Caden uh, outright knows that they're clones, obviously, and he's just like, "Oh, I'm not a fan of this," and like you can like tell that like. It's just like it's just very difficult for them all to like work with each other at first, but like once Ahsoka is mentioned, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll help you out. And I I just love that episode so much, like that entire episode. One of my favorite like uh, art pieces as well, and like the Rebels like um visual not visual dictionary, the illustrated just behind the scenes. There's like a a graphic of just like. <laughs> I'm laughing hysterically at it. There's a graphic of Zev being held like on a string, and he just looks all just like. <sighs> Just like the biggest like side, it just looks so sad. And I I was looking at it recently, and I was like, you know what? This would be like a great like a holiday ornament. Just like put it on the tree. Just like sad Zeb. Just like yes, that'd be great. (laughs) But um, I I would love that. But yeah, I I love that entire episode. It's it's just the first time we see Captain Rex again, and then he joins the crew, and he still has his armor. And here I am, just like gushing about the Clone Wars again, and 
and the clones is that a, and the clones theme is playing in my head right now but you can't hear it so is that a two-part anyway. episode i think it's a two-parter and then yeah yeah that's it's all it's amazing to see captain rex again um you know by the time we watched it it was kind of spoiled for me that he would reappear but oh oh oops actually um, I just double checked to see because yeah, it is a two-parter. I knew that much. They show up in the Lost Commanders and then Relics of the Old Republic. Um, they hunt the Juba fish technically in the first episode. The so the Lost Commanders and then in Relics, uh, Agent Callus shows up and they have to go with them and whatnot. Anyway, the ATAT versus the uh, ATTE. Yes, in the it's a great in the storm. Yeah, I love that exactly with the clones like knowing their technology so well. That they're able to outmaneuver like four AT ATs. It doesn't Kanan uh, like it's Kanan or Ezra like guides it through the storm. Yeah, yeah, and it's literally like the clones and the Jedi fighting mm-hmm. side by side is better than what happened yep. to the Empire. You know, it's, exactly. it's a great, yeah, great thematic tie-in. Um, but the visuals mm-hmm. of that episode are phenomenal. Seeing the like this clunky like uh, patched up ATTE like wandering around this salt flat like with no horizon just kind of just wandering along like spewing smoke uh it almost has like a miyazaki vibe if you know what i mean uh it kind of reminds me of howl yeah. castle in a way um this just very like almost like steampunky-esque um yeah whimsy to it that i just can't i really really like the visuals of that episode and i love the interactions yeah. between rex and kanan um when Kanan tells Ezra the story of what happened in the clones, that's like one of the most emotional scenes in Rebels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Freddie yeah. Prince Jr. does like a phenomenal job. And at the end of that two-parter, we get to see uh, Rex and Ahsoka give each other a hug, see each other again. And that was pretty heart-wrenching as well, but in a good way. Yeah, always is. Oh, it always Hopefully is. Hopefully we... Yeah, I love... Um. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, I seem to be teasing the Bad Batch with like, anytime we get near it but hopefully we can see how rex or why rex is where he is when we when we see him in rebels um i don't know if they would Mm. touch upon that but it's possible and it's like we know the empire knows where they are like a little bit yeah because well yeah they send the distress signal yeah well they sent the distress signal to the empire and then they check it and they're like oh it's just a bunch of like old clones (laughs) old retired clones and they it's just funny to think like the empire just let these guys you know yeah screw off to a planet somewhere but really go away that's like one of my like biggest like questions going into the bad batch is like after order 66 and the clones get phased out where do they go like literally what do they do because they were made to be soldiers and obviously they're going to get old and they're going to just die like do they have like a like an employment program for these guys like what's going on do they just like let them go and like he's like go ahead into the galaxy this is it and like it's it's just very interesting. That's one of my biggest questions, and so I'm very interested to find out how those yeah. three even got to that planet with an old walker at that point. Also, like, what are they? How did this happen? <laughs> yeah, I have absolutely no doubt that Bad Batch will explore that. Definitely, they have to. Mm-hmm. For my number two, uh, for the next two ones that I talk about, um, these are my two favorite. Star Wars moments of all time. Uh, the third being the Battle of Crate from The Last Jedi. These three make up my top three favorite Star Wars moments of all time. But the next two that I list are from Rebels. Rebels has two of my f- three favorite moments in all of Star Wars. So the next one that I want to talk about is the episode Twin Sons. And I know that's very stereotypical, mm. but I am such a sucker for this episode that I cannot, uh, I could not sit silently and not mention it. Um, in fact, before the episode even came out, I was like, oh, yeah, which one of you guys is going to say uh, Twin Sons in your lists? <laughs> and uh, when, I, when I learned that neither one of you guys had it on your list, I was shocked. I was like, oh, my but goodness. Look, it was on my sticky note, but there's a lot of other things that are under the radar that I want to talk about. So Definitely, that. definitely. <laughs> I, so, you know, me, I just have to talk about these two moments, you know, this one and my number one moment, just because they are my favorite Star Wars moments. Um, so I cannot sit around and not talk about them. But Twin Sons is like leaps and bounds above practically everything else that Star Wars has released on television um, or in the films. I think Rebels has so many of these incredibly unique emotional moments. And I think 
it benefits from the fact that it's long form storytelling instead of short form storytelling like films, where over the course of, you know, an entire show and a half, uh, the buildup to the fight between Maul and Obi-Wan on Tatooine um, is just so really well fleshed out. Um, the emotions are so built because we, you know, we saw them, you know, duke it out 10 years ago. We saw that we saw what Maul did to Kenobi. We saw everything that he put him through and vice versa. We know, you know, just how much Maul hates Obi-Wan Kenobi, how badly he wants to take him out. I mean, that's basically like one of his main goals throughout the entirety of Clone Wars and Rebels is to get revenge on Kenobi. Uh, so the final, the big finale, like the buildup, all of this leading up to this one moment, the final duel between these two, and it's like the most classic Kurosawa-esque battle uh, imaginable. Like the most samurai battle you could think about. It lasts two seconds. There's like five swings of a lightsaber in total. And <laughs> the opponent is yeah. taken out like immediately. Like you, mm -hmm. you know, the slash, the, the, there's like always a, um, the stereotypical like, you see like the slash and then the character like freezes and then drops to the ground, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it, and it all works out so perfectly. And I remember when I first watched it, I was incredibly disappointed with it. I was like, what? Oh man, they built up, they built up this huge fight and all we got is like three lightsaber moves. Like this isn't fair. I wanted to see like a really like extravagant fight. But now I look back at it and it is so brilliantly executed. I think it was, that's like the perfect way for those two characters to end it. Um, and then, of course, Maul falls to the ground, steaming, because he has, like, a lightsaber cut <laughs> right down yep. his middle. Again. Um, yep, again, except this time <laughs> it's vertical, not horizontal. That's right. how you take him out. Obi-Wan is holding him. You know, he's still showing compassion for this man who, like, did so many horrible things to him. Killed his master, killed his uh, love interest in uh, Duchess Satine. I mean, he did everything. To, to Kenobi and Kenobi still shows him compassion at the end he still talks to him and I love the line that Obi-Wan believes that Luke is the chosen one yeah that's so cool I love that I love the ambiguity in the chosen one prophecy between characters you know in universe out of universe we have George Lucas in interviews saying oh yeah I know Anakin was the chosen one but in universe George Lucas didn't tell anybody anything so they they got to figure this out on their own and obviously Kenobi has given up on Vader and that's made abundantly clear by the time we reach the original trilogy when they're trying to trick Luke into killing Vader without telling him that he's his father. So we know that Kenobi gave up on Anakin, and we know that he now believes that Luke is the chosen one. I love that twist. And I love Maul's last line. Yeah, as you were getting to, Maul's last line is, he will avenge us, right? Yes. And it, it, yep. it's so cool that at the end of the day, as much as Maul hated Obi-Wan, I mean, they could have like, teamed up i know i don't know they had the same common goal of taking down the um the emperor the sith and, and yeah it's it's interesting because he tried to team up with ahsoka um and he tried to team up with ezra and you know he wasn't really for teaming up with kanan it didn't seem but he he just wanted to take down the sith but the to talk about the duel mm -hmm. the actual duel they have it, it is so cool and some people say that the best duels are the shortest ones because the two, the opponents know their know each other so well, and I think it was so fitting because um, Maul is the aggressor in this situation, as he usually is, and Obi Wan he's always uh, you know he's he's known for his his great defense with the lightsaber, and the coolest part is Maul tried to do the same thing he did to Qui Gon with the same like hit him with the hilt and stab him I believe it's like identity the, the yeah. same move. And Obi-Wan has it down, same move. he has it memorized to a T, yeah. where he's like, yo, you're not doing that to me, and he, he defeats them all. And I think that's, it was just beautiful. And I think it also ties into, I like seeing the older masters more composed and less flashy. Like, there's room for, like, the big, extravagant, epic battles in Star Wars. Like, the Battle of Heroes kind of had to be, like, yeah. that big, over-the-top, you know, extravagant battle. But something where, like, Obi-Wan is now, you know, in his 50s, white hair, white beard, old. I say 50s like it's old. Sorry, 50s. But he looks 80. To listen to us. But 
Yeah, right. He looks he looks way older than he actually <laughs> is. But you know, he's an old man. He's by this time, and I don't know. I have like this uh, this fear of of you know this like silly old man bouncing around swinging his lightsaber <laughs> doing you know flips and stuff because i yoda in attack of the clones just ruined that for me <laughs> yoda in attack of the clones uh but no i i like seeing the older masters more subdued it's again why i also love the battle of crate i love how luke doesn't really do any you know to anything too flashy his his duel is more like grounded i like the grounded battles better better and the emotional ones too and you really there's only one thing that gets more emotional to me than darth maul versus obi-wan kenobi in rebels it's a perfect finale i know people when the kenobi show was first announced people were like oh i want them to remake it uh in live action i want them to you know create a new storyline and ignore rebels but never never rebels did it perfectly just we'll leave it at that Matt, do you want to launch into your number one, too, while we're here? Sure. All right, so my number one, which is also, again, like I said, one of my favorite Star Wars moments of all time, is Twilight of the Apprentice. Um, There is, in my opinion, very, very few things in Star Wars that get more emotional than than that scene, um, than that battle. I really like the emotional-driven duels, and Ahsoka meeting Darth Vader for the first time is soul crushing it is soul crushing i mean what re-watching it recently i got absolute chills the first time when they're in the ghost this is earlier in season two when they're in the ghost and she connects with vader for the first time like she connects mm-hmm. with him in the tie fighter that's chasing them and she like screams and like passes out like it's that overwhelmingly emotional for her and then she has to deal with it in the jedi temple and she's like spends the whole entire season trying to figure out like she knows it's Anakin, but she's, like, trying to figure out if it's not Anakin. Like, really trying to yeah. figure out, like, this is definitely not Anakin, right? Totally not. Um, but then she finally, you know, has to confront him. And that battle, or that scene, when she slashes Vader's mask, and you hear Matt uh, Lanter speak. Yeah. You know, he say her name, Ahsoka. And yeah. you see, like, half of Anakin's face underneath the mask. And you see his eyebrow. He's, he's still got eyebrows. How do you, how he lost them before Return of the Jedi? I don't know, but we'll whatever. <laughs> still got that eyebrow. Um, but you see that face with the <laughs> with the red eye. You see Anakin and hear him, and you know Ahsoka just like freezes, and she and it's almost like she 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 understands that she's like, this is it. I'm done. You know, there's nothing else to do. She accepts her fate right there. She does not expect to be saved later on in the season. Again, we said spoilers before, but. <laughs> just in case uh, anybody was still listening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's basically like, all right, she, it's time to die. <laughs> like, like it, and she, she, has to def- she can't leave him because she feels the guilt that she felt in Clone Wars when she left Anakin um, and everything happened, you know, and she's been under the assumption for however long that Anakin died in Order 66. So she has that, like, abandonment problem there. Like, she left him and then he died. But now it's like she left him and... Her leaving was one of the things that pushed him over the edge to do like these incredibly unspeakable things and create like this incredibly dark being um, that she just can't, you know, make heads or tails of. She can't understand. Um, And when it's finally confirmed to her, uh, the music, you hear Ahsoka's theme and it's like really sad and like drawn out um, and forlorn. And it's just, like I said, it's just heart wrenching. it really, truly is the height of emotion in Star Wars. Like, it's up there. Um, and again, it benefits from the long-form storytelling that, that builds it up so greatly. But watching an entire show where almost every episode, Ahsoka and Anakin are interacting, just to know that that moment is coming in Rebels where they have to face off. Like I said, it, that's what Star Wars is. It, it's what it always has been, you know? It... It makes it it makes it much tougher when you tougher to like watch and tougher to stomach when you have all those gaps filled in because watching through Rebels the first time it was uh, obviously very highly emotional overall but at that point in time like um, we watched Rebels late and so we knew what was going to happen so like we knew she was going to come back but like at the same time we didn't know 
how she was going to. And so like, that's the trouble with it, with like knowing what's going to happen is you don't necessarily always know the process, but you know the outcome or you know the backstory at least. And it just makes it, it just gives a different weight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I'll talk about my number one in a bit to talk about that, but uh, I, I agree in general though, like this, the scene with Ahsoka and Vader is definitely one of the most emotionally heavy scenes in all of Star Wars. It doesn't matter if you like Ahsoka as a character. It doesn't matter if you like Anakin as a character. You can tell there is so, so much emotion going on between the two of them that they both feel the abandonment and it's it's absolutely insane. Yeah, and for all we know, that might be the last time they see each other. Because in Mandalorian, right. she talks about Anakin. She has to know that he's dead at that point and what happened, I assume. But um, Yeah, I think it's common knowledge that Vader is dead. Yeah, I would assume at that point, Ahsoka knows what happened and like is aware of who Luke is and whatnot. Like, I'm pretty sure she also knows when she tells like Din Djarin, oh, bring Grogu to Tython and put him on the Sitting Stone. And if a Jedi is available, he'll grab him. I'm pretty sure she knows that it's going to be Luke, but she just doesn't want to say it kind of thing. And now that I think of it, People have talked about Hayden Christensen showing up in Kenobi, but wouldn't he have to like absolutely show up in the Ahsoka live action show? That's what people people have been saying that too. I mean, they haven't said that as a rumor; they've been requesting it. Mm. Yeah, so they'll see mm, each other yeah. again in in that way. But yeah, I mean, to talk about this scene, Matt, um, it's definitely one of my favorite moments as well. But before we even kind of planned this episode, as we were planning it, I was like, "You take it. It's your. I know it's your big thing." So. It probably would have been my number Thank two you. or my number one, but the one of my favorite lines of Ahsoka, the, like when I think of Ahsoka, I think of that line, I am no Jedi, like mm. absolute mm-hmm. volleyball yeah. slam back into Vader's face. And it, it reminds me of Lord of the Rings, um, you know, that I am, I I am no, no man. No woman. Oh, yeah, I am no man. <laughs> I am no, no man. woman. Good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Nice. Yeah, nice. Definitely. What a twist. What a twist. So I just love that line. And whenever like you see Ahsoka merch, it always says, I am no Jedi. And whether yeah. that's true in Mandalorian or not, I'm not really sure. That episode was called The uh, Jedi. So I honestly think it's like from Din's perspective. Like he thinks she's yeah. a Jedi and she doesn't really care about like uh, correcting him. Because at that point, it's, you know, she's using the force, carrying a lightsaber. She's doing good things. And right now there aren't any really other Jedi around to say she's not a Jedi. So... Yeah, I don't I don't really think she cares for the label. I don't think she cares about that. She yeah. just knows that she's doing what she believes is right, and she is. So, yeah. On a side note, I just love Din Djarin being a simple man, not knowing like any Star Wars lore <laughs> in his own universe and just being like yeah, dude, He doesn't know well, anything. It's so funny. He doesn't know who Bo-Katan is. He doesn't know what the Jedi are. I don't understand. I feel like that would be like basic history. He was alive during the Clone Wars. Of course so he was alive during the Clone how does, Wars. How does he not know who like the Jedi are? That's what baffles me. He's a, he's an introvert. Oh my gosh. He doesn't get yeah. out. That's true. If you're an introvert, that means you read. Well, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> well, he can't through the mask. It's hard. <laughs> you could do oh jeez you can make it up all the excuses for him i i just want dinjara to have a history lesson sit in that class with a grogu yeah honestly, figure it out from there. <laughs> eat some cookies have the protocol droid teach you galactic history come on so my number one is the spark that starts one of the best redemption stories in star wars and that's when callus and zeb are just chilling together stranded on the that icy planet. I don't. I don't remember Ooh. the planet's name. Phenomenal moment. Yeah, that's Great a fantastic moment. moment. I just. It's such a simple episode, but sometimes those are my favorite things, and it's just the two of them in that cave or whatever it is, trying to get out, and and that's the episode. But there's so much building and just everything, and Callus with his stupid moon rock that keeps his hands warm and then he just he keeps <laughs> yeah. it like on his shelf next to his bed and he's like crying at it but like it's so funny and it, I, well yeah because I, he like he returns back to the imperial um wherever he is either the base or that ship and he's just looking around and everyone like looking to see if like they give it give a crap that like he's like still alive and no one cares and callus you can literally see that he's like straight up about to cry and it's like Oh my god, I need to get out of here. And that's the that's his turning point is when he realizes that the empire doesn't care about him. They do not care about him. They just care about the greater good. They don't care about people. It's paralleled beautifully with 
with Zeb reuniting with the the ghost crew and everyone's like, Yay, Zeb and everyone's hugging him and he's he's watching right. from like behind a rock and he's like Right. Oh it's like, I wish he turns I had into friends. Eeyore. Yeah. Oh bother. Oh bother. <laughs> I always like those um you know, enemy two two enemies get stranded and, and have to fight to survive kind of thing. We could argue this is the beginning of an enemies to lovers trope, but uh unconfirmed, but Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. I mean, Zeb and Callus are obviously dating. I mean, like, Zeb brings him to Lasan at the end, like, or Lirasan. Like, what? what? <laughs> Why is he doing that? Yeah, that was, but anyway. That was super cool. <laughs> I, I love that. I just, Callus's entire arc, that deserves to be on this period. Deserves recognition. More recognition than mm-hmm. it gets, in my opinion. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It really does. So I feel like my number one, you guys might be able to predict it. It is one that I have to say with a heavy heart, but my number one is Jedi Knight. I don't want this to be my number one, but it is my number one. Because this is when we truly just, we, everything about Kanan and everything about Caleb Doom and the Lothwolves and just all of the sacrifices that he makes for the greater good of the Rebellion. And... I, I don't know. I mean, like, going back to what I said earlier, like, Rebels was spoiled for me before I started it. And so, like, I knew at the end Kanan was going to die. And, like, I didn't really, like, it didn't hold that much weight in, in like, my heart. I mean, I, but I knew at the end he was going to. I didn't know how it was going to happen. Literally, the first time we watched this episode, saw that the name of this episode was called Jedi Knight. I was like, oh, no. This is the episode. This this is the episode. And I just, I was not ready. This is like another one of those like totally visually stunning ones as well because you have the huge expansive wide shots of Lothal when they drive out on the speeders, which Caitlin is driving blind, by the way, driving that speeder bike with his blind eyes, <laughs> um, driving out with like the little things that they're going to fly away on and Zeb's just like happily waving at them and that's the last time that Zeb sees him and it's like, oh, oh God. And it's all, it's all for Hera, which is what... Kanan is really about because Kanan, Kanan and Hera's love is one of, honest to goodness, the best like relationships like in all of Star Wars. Like Kanan and Hera are probably my favorite couple in all of Star Wars, and they unfortunately have this tragic ending of Kanan rescues her. They have like their their moment together, but like it's it's still it's not perfect though because Hera is under the influence of whatever like truth serum drugs that like Thrawn was injecting her with and so she doesn't get to fully experience this like last moment with Kanan and it's absolutely heartbreaking and then they go and you know the whole refinery thing and then it blows and then Kanan saves the day and and you see his eyes again and he sees her for the last time and it, it just uh, my heart is pounding just that, trying to like talk about it again how does that work so the, like so his sight coming back the force. It, it's really cool, but this is how the force works. <laughs> sight one more time to see uh, Hera before he died. Right, because the force is like you are literally making the ultimate sacrifice for everyone here, and the force is like, okay, we'll give you this one thing. <laughs> we will give you this one thing before you die, and, and and the force does, and you everyone's just in so much pain just watching this happen, and ah, uh, gosh, <laughs> I. I think I need to go lay down. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I was expect, I was totally expecting somebody to say this. Um, it's too, too tough for me to, for me to say though. So I'm glad I mean, somebody like, else took care of it. <laughs> like I, I knew I was in making my list of things that I wanted to talk about, which were my favorite moments in Rebels. I knew that I wanted to include a Kanan thing, and you can't top this moment. You, you really can't top this moment at all. And then from here on, from there on out in the series, the white loth wolf just appears. It just goes doom, and like it just, it, oh, it just, the chills up your spine and whatnot. And I, I just, Hera puts the little piece from Kanan on her Calicori just to like honor him and whatnot as part of the family. And then down the road we get Jason Sandula, and I'm like, oh my god, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, just so much. It's honestly, so much, and it's, but it's perfect though. And I, I wish that it was different and. But it needed to happen for the greater good of the rebellion, as Kanan knew what was important for Hera. He knew what was important to her. He knew that she needed to get out, and he knew that she would have wanted it for the greater good, even though obviously she didn't want him to die. But she knew that she would have wanted 
the greater good in general for the rebellion and it was the absolute utmost biggest sacrifice that could be done could have been done yeah i you know what you said earlier about kanan and uh hera being the best couple in star wars i agree 100 percent. i think yeah. they're like one of the best romances not just in star wars but in general i really like their yeah. romance just in the way they work with each other it's like what a real couple is you know i just think that's really cool it's a very realistic depiction of what you know an actual coupling between two people is yeah yeah for sure and it you know it's not anakin or padme or no. it's not han and leia <laughs> han and leia making kylo ren um <laughs> but it's still tragic obviously but yeah that scene is instant waterworks for me you know like a lot of actors talk about like things that they think about to get themselves to like cry Oh man, if I watch that scene, I cry. The last time I did my my Rebels watch through, I was watching with my mom, and the two of us were just blubbering. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like after I, I sat down and watched it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is it!" Like, and I I didn't expect it to hit me so hard, and it hit me so yeah hard. You, you, and we're both just sitting there like in shock, <laughs> just like <laughs> just a mess. You don't expect it to happen that way. So like that's the thing. Like the first time we watched it, I knew that he was going to die and oh my god this is the episode where it's going to happen meanwhile aj sitting next to me he's seen the scene before because at the time we didn't care about spoilers like when it first came out but then we were actually watching the series we're like oh okay but like and so aj had seen the scene in which he dies before and so he doesn't know like the mental turmoil i'm going through as i'm literally seeing it for the first time how it happens and like the episode ended and i'm like i'm I'm going to go try to go to bed because like I can't even like process a thought right now and it was it was just ridiculous and oh my god it's it's really a thing that makes you want to watch this show doesn't oh, it yeah. I mean like just like hearing people talk so passionately about how these characters like die cry? it's just like oh my god you like to get your heart ripped the, uh, out yeah. all of our all of our moments that's like half of our moments are like sad <laughs> it's always like oh it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking I jokingly wanted to say my number one moment is uh, very early on. I'm pretty sure it's in season one when uh, Ezra, you know, steals the Melu runs and this stupid scout trooper just goes, wait, this was all about fruit? Yes, <laughs> all of it. All of it was about fruit. This entire series, it was about fruit. That's great. All right, guys, we have the question of the week now, and it's a pretty fun one again, as it usually is. So I need some fun. Need some fun. Yeah, after that last one, we need some fun. So, if you could put one Rebels character into live action who hasn't already been in live action, who would it be? Ooh, I think I already answered you, my, Yeah, you sort of did earlier. Question. But if you want to pick someone else. I'll come up with somebody else. Uh, obviously, Fen Rao, like I said earlier. But for another character to transition into live action. I say who hasn't already been. We think we're pretty sure Hera and Ezra are going to. So, yeah. I mean, my number one would be Hera, but she's probably going to be. So, um, I just hope it's Vanessa Marshall. I really, I'll be happy with whoever it is, but I think that would be great. She played uh, Hera in Squadrons. So, yep, she did the voice yeah. and motion capture for she that. Did the so. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% would want one pirate man, Hondo Onaka. <laughs> Ooh, good pick, good pick. because i would it would be perfect because they already have you know that installation at galaxy's edge in which the entire plot of smugglers run is hondo's installation there with onaka transport solutions and whatever that would be perfect if they just somehow tie him into mandalorian or rangers because he's operating during that time period we don't really know what happens to him after rebels and hondo is always just one of those like low-key characters that i absolutely love he always like breaks my like top 10 sometimes top five favorite star wars characters of all time <laughs> just because he, he's just he's just the best he's the worst but he's, he's the best he always he always puts a smile on your face my friend um definitely that'd be, how great would that be to see hondo in live action and they could easily do it easily there's so many weak ways in mando already like come on come on i would love to see bot 2 appear in live action because mm. as soon as you said hondo i thought of bot 2 so that would be hey or just, buddy bot 2 is only live action <laughs> no well on a show or <laughs> it's the livest of actions <laughs> oh man you got me there but I would just, I would love, I've, we've seen it in some books now. We've, you know, there's the, the lore of the park, but I would just love to see it in a show or a movie. 
um, as a planet they visit. Yeah, I would like it to picture to picked it on screen. Isn't there sure. a fun fact? They used the X-wing in the one in California for the scenes with the director cameos from season one of Mando. Why? Yes, they did. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. So when Dave yeah. Filoni, Deborah Chow, and uh, Rick, right, was the third cameo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The three of them is <laughs> too funny. So I'd have to go with Callus. I almost said Agent Callus, mm. but he's not an agent anymore. But I remember we like recently we fan casted him as like Sean Bean, and yeah. we we're like, nah, he's too yes. old. But who knows when this story? Oh, no, I disagree. Yeah, they they could make it work, and the the accent is very similar. That's what I noticed more so than the looks. Watching Rebels again, yeah, I think Callus would be super cool in live action. Uh, working for the New Republic or something. Maybe he could appear in Rangers, working with Hera. I know we yeah, talked to our definitely. friend Andy recently, and they didn't want Callus to be some sort of cop or something. And I agree with that. I don't think that would be right. So I don't know what direction they would take Callus in post-Galactic uh, Civil War, but who knows? I just want to see those sideburns. Yes. <laughs> so I guess for my live-action person who isn't Fenrau, I would have to go with, and I know this is probably also going to get eye rolls because it's easy, but uh, Jason Sindula. <laughs> because I think we need another depiction of Jason Sindula. That's not an eye roll. Yeah, all we have of Jason is him in the back seat, and Hera just like smiles at him, and Jason's just in the back like, woo. Like, that's all we have. Looking like, Doi. A, <laughs> looking, like, <laughs> looking like an absolute dink. That's all we have. Well, he's like four. Drooling. <laughs> Is he that old? I thought he was like a yeah. I guess he was like a baby. No, it's, no. Yeah, he was like no, a baby. Okay, okay hang on, hang on. He's he doesn't even can't even okay, talk. Okay, excuse me. Wait a second, because it's the end of Rebels is right before the Battle of Yavin, right? And then it's all of the events of the movies, and so that is the post Return of the Jedi look. So it's at least like what four years? Yeah, it has to be because he's born zero yeah. BBY. Wow, he's yeah. four so years. So he's old. at least four he years looks like old. A baby, he's aging. He like can talk. He's aging it's animated. Like Grogu. That well, thing can talk. Guess what? Um, this is why it would <laughs> be really good to have this person in live action. <laughs> yes, please. Additionally, I would love um, AP5 and Chopper to show up. Oh, Chopper or AP5 can't though. AP5 explodes or something, right? No, AP5's okay, fine. Never mind. Um, Chopper's already he, made he's his with, live he's action still with, debut. Uh, Hera and yeah, yeah, Chopper already made his live action debut. True, yeah. So, okay, yeah. So, we do already see Chopper, like, roll by in Rogue One, but it's barely a cameo. Like, come on. We need Chopper and yeah, AP5. Like, so like, yeah, and you just hear him go, bah, 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 just like, <laughs> rolling that, by. Damn, that was a good Chopper. I think he just rolled right in the room. I want it to be known that yeah. I did the hand motions as well as I, like, did that. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> give me a Chopper. AJ, can we build a Chopper? Maybe. Life size. <laughs> please <laughs> all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go buy some trash cans and we'll get started on that anyway <laughs> thank you for listening to the holland at marauders podcast we hope you had an enjoyable rebels remembered third anniversary we loved sharing our favorite rebels moments with you do you have a favorite moment from rebels as well definitely connect with us on social media you can follow us on twitter at holland at marauder on instagram at holland at marauders check out our blog holland at marauders.com Enjoying the show so far? Definitely consider subscribing to us on Patreon. We do have a few extra bonus episodes on there as well if you are interested. Thank you for listening to the Holland Up Marauders podcast.